Welcome to the Dynasty Defined Podcast, a show discussing what is happening with the greatest dynasty in all of sports, the Oklahoma State Cowboys wrestling program. I'm your host, Lee Cothran, and hey, dual season's over. Wasn't a pretty one, wasn't a particularly fun one uh, from an Oklahoma State fan's perspective with uh, the high expectations placed upon this program and with the high hopes that we certainly had coming into the year. But can't do anything about that. Uh, have to just take what we're given and move into the postseason, which is a time when anything can happen. Uh, hope springs eternal in the wrestling postseason. So we'll see what happens with the Cowboys as that comes, but we will do a little bit of uh, talk today about the regular season and dual season. Uh, who stood out, who was kind of a bust, uh, what uh, do we think about what was going on, and then how do we move forward from here. Uh, so uh, we'll also review the Bucknell duel, review the Bedlam duel, and then y'all had lots of questions for me, so we'll certainly try to hit on all of that stuff. There's a lot to be said, and I certainly want to save some of it for the off season because it's a long way between March and November. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have a lot to talk about and a lot to speculate on. But, uh, for now, I believe that we'll just, uh, talk about what was. So, um, again, you know, the season started off pretty hot. Uh, I'd, was excited to start the podcast. I know that the team was really excited about the potential that they had for the 2021-2022 season. Um, There were guys who definitely believed that uh, the team had a good chance at a national title. Uh, Me amongst them, right? I've been saying it from the get-go that the talent is there. And the talent on this team can certainly uh, make waves and be really special. And we kind of saw that. The team pretty well dominated everybody they faced up until Saturday, January 29th, right? I mean, from Stanford, who is ranked, Minnesota, who's got a really good team. Uh, Drexel's had some moments, OU, uh You know, the Bedlam round one was completely different than the Bedlam that we saw this last weekend. Um, There were some cancellations, right? The West Virginia weekend, which led to the home Columbia duel, which Columbia turns out they have a pretty decent team. And Lehigh came to Stillwater, uh, which Lehigh is always going to put a great team out there. So... Uh, The team certainly had their test. It wasn't the toughest schedule in the world or the most exciting schedule in the world. I mean, heck, there's only so much that you can do, you know, if you look at the Big Ten and what they get from a scheduling perspective. uh, They really, it's the toughest conference and the deepest conference. I mean, almost everybody has one or two good wrestlers on their team and is exciting to see, right? And, And just from a fan perspective, a lot of people think it's more fun to see a Purdue 
or a Michigan State than uh, Wyoming or um, Northern Iowa, which is misguided in a lot of ways. But uh, there's a lot of things that fans are misguided on. We talk now about teams that generate more revenue being better than teams that win more. So who who knows the way that fandom has gone over the past six or seven years and uh, where it's heading. I, I have no idea. It confuses me. Uh, part of the reason I've gotten so into wrestling is because, you know, what happens on the mat is king and uh, what happens everywhere else really uh, is just side fodder. And that is certainly been true for the pokes this year because after that lehigh duel uh and after aj ferrari's unfortunate car accident um the season really changed for the pokes and uh they lost four out of their next five duels started with that really rough weekend there with northern iowa and iowa state uh, kind of putting it to the pokes, right? You responded with a really, really solid win over South Dakota State, who has a good team, and then lost that Sunday on the road to Missouri, and then put up a stinker against Iowa, quite frankly. But they did finish the season well with the big win over Butnell, and then the win over OU and Bedlam. While it was certainly closer than any of us really like to see. It did make for an exciting story. A lot of people talked about Bedlam as a really exciting event. There were some national writers there. Willie Saylor was there, and he talked about it today, how good the atmosphere was and how much fun the duel was and how much fun he had in Stillwater, too. So um, that was really good to see. And then... uh, it was good to see the team kind of having a little bit more fun with it. I think something that they got away from as AJ went down and as um, the losses started to pile up was they really stopped having fun. I think part of having a lighter schedule, not going to any open tournaments, Really, that was COVID that caused that. But um, I think there was some discussion from me about this being a bit of an experiment to make it more like last year where um, the team wasn't as beat up and it's really backfired. Um, Obviously, there's AJ being out of the lineup. But beyond that, Trevor Master Giovanni is clearly struggling with injuries. Um, His... He's limping. He's been limping for the past seven or so duels that he's only lost two bouts is pretty impressive uh, display from him. So that's really exciting. And, and it's clear to me that his issues with getting up off of the bottom uh, really come down to his... He's got a grip issue. There's something wrong with his wrist and with his hands... He's able to get to his feet, which usually means that you're able to get out. But he can't unlock hands, and he can't get out. And his opponents return him to the mat, and 
for the most part, are stalling against him. They're not really working any turns. He hasn't been turned. Um, but when he needs to get a takedown, he can go get a takedown for the most part. Uh, if he can get to it in an ample amount of time, right? So we saw that against the Iowa wrestler, who admittedly isn't exceptional. Um, but we saw him beat Brody Teske. And uh, while he was ridden out for a few minutes in that one and had to go to sudden victory, it was that's still a big win, right? It was avenging a six to nothing loss that Mastro had last year. So Mastro, of course, has been dinged up. Uh, Wyatt Sheets has a nagging injury. You can really see that on his face. In a lot of the duels over the past few weeks, he's uh, something's bothering him. Coach Smith said on the radio show that it's a rib injury. So you wonder if that's something similar to what Travis Whitlake's been facing. And then speaking of Travis Whitlake, you know, he's been hurt. <laughs> he's had the same rib injury. He's had a knee issue. He's had his issues, right? Looks like, you know, plot lost a step somewhere along the way in the season. Uh, so, look, it's just been a, a rough year. They've ended up getting banged up. So, I don't really know what that means. I don't know if this experiment's just backfired. Maybe it would be better to stack up these tougher opponents earlier in the year. Um, but, you know, at a certain point, there's only so much you can do. If you're going to have a tough schedule at all, you know, you have to bend to what the needs are for the conference and for your opponents. So, I don't know. It's just all kind of a blurry, unfortunate um, recipe of disaster for January 29th through today. So uh, I know it wasn't the result we all wanted. You know, uh, I know we had aspirations of another undefeated or maybe one dual loss season. Uh, go into Big 12s, get your 10th Big 12 title in a row, and then go to Nationals and at least show that you're going to be a contender here moving into the future. Uh, maybe get a team trophy, finish second or third and uh, get on that podium and make sure that you go into Tulsa with a target on your back, really. The target and the pressure really becomes a blessing for these guys. Uh, Coach Smith, Dayton Fix, A.J. Ferrari, they all talk about it, right? This is Oklahoma State Wrestling, and the expectation is I'm going to be a multi-time national champion, a multi-time All-American uh, we're going to win national titles. And that is still the, it kind of speaks to the reputation of the program that that's still the expectation after 15 years now of not winning a national title, right? The second longest drought in school history coming out of the only decade in the history of NCAA wrestling that Oklahoma State has not won a national title. So, and the reason that it's the second longest drought and then that happens is because it was 
bookends, right? 1971 and 1989. So they got one in the 70s, they got one in the 80s. But, um, look, I know it's not what everybody wants and it's not what everybody expected. And, uh, there is definitely disappointment on my end too. You know, Uh, I went to three duels and they were all losses. I'm, that's never happened. I've been, I've gone to a lot of OSU wrestling duels over the last 20 years. And, uh, that is a, um, rare event. And, uh. Just seeing them lose in the first place. I think I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen them lose. You know, Penn State, Missouri, Iowa. <laughs> I think I saw them tie in Bedlam one time, and that was like a loss. So, um, yeah, definitely not fun. But, hey, all you can do is move forward and... Uh, I still, to address the questions about the Big 12 tournament that I got this week and what I think is going to happen there, who I think is going to do well there, uh, I'm going to talk about that next week on not only this podcast, but also on the uh, 10-12 podcast, so the Big 12 uh podcast network they have their kind of uh, primary podcast and i'm going to be appearing on that one uh i don't know when it's going to be released we're recording it on monday so hopefully seeds and everything are out by then but um probably not knowing the way that you know wrestling works (laughs) so i'm going to do have to do some guessing but i'll be recording with them on monday it'll come out sometime next week Really excited to join them. And then I've got a couple other things lined up uh, that I'll let you know more details on via Twitter and the message boards when that time comes. So yeah, I mean, exciting times. I still think this team is special. Um, I think that the talent on this team could really do something interesting in the postseason, right? I I think really highly of uh, Trevor Mastro, obviously Dayton Fix, uh, I think Caden Gefeller is going to have a really good postseason. I think Carter Young could surprise some people. And then there's Dustin Plott sitting there, you know. I, he's lost two matches all season. You know, they, they weren't good losses, and he didn't really face the top competition. Um, but he also, he, Plott's tough. And he's somebody that I think you really need to keep an eye on and that could be really special for OSU, right? I just, I'm not going to let that go uh, no matter what some of y'all message me. So, um, again, not what we wanted, not the best season in the world uh, or that OSU's ever had, not technically one of the worst seasons. But a lot's in front of this team. It's really young. And uh, um, I'm excited to see what they do and how they respond to this adversity. So with that, we'll move on to the Bucknell duel. You know, Bucknell came to town on Friday night. Uh, Didn't really have too many um, contests to look forward to here. Really just 141 pounds. Uh, Carter got to take on a ranked uh, wrestler with some experience in Darren Miller. 
and that was a uh, um, certainly one to watch because the ranked wins for Carter are he doesn't have many right um, but when he's gotten the opportunity he's always looked pretty good he's kept it close with people um, uh, anyway we'll we'll get to that but Carter's been uh, Carter got a, a ranked matchup and then of course. Uh, Travis Whitlake got returning All-American Zach Hartman uh, as well. So uh, you had those two to look forward to. Attendance was a little bit light. The announced attendance was 3,300, um, which I think that might be uh, exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> but um, it started at 133 pounds. Dayton took on Kurt Phipps, and he picked up the tech fall by the end of the second period. Made quick work of him. Um, had some really interesting chain wrestling that he um, that he put together that just overwhelmed uh, Phipps. And that was his third tech fall on the season. Uh, but the reason that that was his third tech fall on the season, I'm pretty sure he has like four pins where he was right up to the point of a tech fall and then, and then finished the pin instead. So um, really, really solid season for Dayton here uh, today or this, this year. Um, he's, he's really put together something special. And then, of course, Carter took on Darren Miller and really just put on a bit of a scoring clinic on Miller. He won 8-3. to three. He had uh, um, his takedowns and didn't give up any. Uh, I think he gave up three escape points on Miller, and then he was able to get out as well. He scored a riding time point. Uh, he, scored an, he scored an escape and then uh, three takedowns. So a uh, really solid match from Carter. Uh, again, his speed is just... It, it's, it's really special when you watch him. You, there aren't many guys who are as fast as he is. He really reminds me a lot of uh, Jordan Oliver, Yanni Diakamahalas, right? Like he's able to go uh, pick up an ankle, pick up a leg, and then if he was... If he was a 141-pounder, he would be a contender this year. Uh, he he's able, If he was able to finish better, if he was able to um, pick up that leg when he gets it and then finish, I, I really, like, there's no question that he would be um, probably undefeated at this point because a lot of the guys he's wrestled haven't really had an answer for it. Their answer is sprawl, use your strength and weight to your advantage to get Carter's knees under him, and then from there, you know, he he, he ends up getting stalled out a lot. Um, and in some cases, he's given up, you know, go-behinds because he was probably sprawled out a little bit too much or uh, just couldn't suck in that leg. So uh, it's been a tough season for Carter, but he's responded to every challenge with getting better, and that's... What is exciting about Carter Young is that every week you can see him improving in the areas that he needs to improve. You hope that holds for the rest of the team. It was true for A.J. Ferrari last year, right? A.J. needed to get better at being confident in his attacks. A.J. needed to get better at riding. AJ needed to get better at getting out from bottom, right? And every week you could see those improvements be made. Um, Carter, same thing. You can see the improvements every single week. Um, 
injury Luke Serber to an extent. You can see that almost every week. He's been able to get better and get better at getting out from bottom, get better at finishing takedowns, get better at not putting myself into positions where I'm going to give up a takedown because I'm outweighed, right? So um, that's that's what's exciting about Carter. Uh, G took on uh, Colby Dupron, finished a 93 decision, uh, kind of ho-hum for G. I think he probably was looking for bonus points, and he definitely came off the mat looking disappointed that he didn't give up bonus points. I think he took that into the Bedlam match where he uh, he did do that, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, <clears throat> then some trouble hit. Uh, Wyatt lost his match, 7-5 to five decision, and uh, you could tell something wasn't right. Something was really bugging him. Uh, he tweaked an injury, and he wrestled through it, which is good, but... Um, he, he gave some looks over to the bench that just said, you know, hey, I'm hurting, you know, I, I don't want to be out here. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, you know, that result played out on the mat. Uh, it's, you got to want to be out there. Uh, otherwise, you know, that's that's what happens. And, and that's what happened to Wyatt. And, you know, it, it's a shame to see, but hopefully he's resting up and, and getting better here for Big 12s. From everything I've heard, you know, the injury is a rib issue. And it's becoming a, you know, okay, now I'm mentally preparing to wrestle through this pain, go to Big 12s, go to NCAAs, because he's almost certainly going to be a qualifier. Um, he just needs to he needs to wrestle to place at Big 12s and then go to NCAAs. And, and last year, I mean, he, he wrestled on a torn ACL and, uh, and, came, and was an All-American. So he had some breaks. I understand that. But uh, you never know what can happen in March at the NCAAs. So um, hopefully Wyatt's getting better, healing up, getting his mind right. And then at 165 pounds, uh, uh, same thing. You know, Travis Whitlake uh, went out, didn't get a takedown in the first period. Well, no, yeah, didn't get a takedown in the first period. And then he went into the second, put in a leg ride, and then something happened with his knee that uh, I think Hartman reached in, pulled his pulled his foot, and uh, trying to. There's there's a whole host of reasons that that happens. It, it's technically illegal. You're not allowed to uh, grab their foot and then move it uh, in any direction. Uh, but it happens just because, you know, it's the nature of the way these guys are moving around. So he may have just grabbed it and then Travis moved or he grabbed it and, you know, accidentally moved it in one way or the other. Nothing malicious on Hartman's fault by any means. I'm not trying to insinuate that. But it, it tweaked uh, Travis's knee and I think it freaked him out a little bit because he, you know, stopped the match. Uh, was on the, on the mat for a little while. Uh, training staff came and looked at him. He got up and walked around a little bit, and then they restarted, and, you know, it just wasn't good from Whitlake. Uh, gave up a couple takedowns there in the third period, and uh, that was that. He just, you know, same thing. You could tell he didn't want to be out there. He didn't want to get hurt any more than uh, he already was. So, um, 
so yeah, on him, you know, I I don't he he didn't wrestle in Bedlam. Um, I I haven't I haven't heard anything on what's going on with Travis. I think that uh, um, it just depends on what's wrong, right? Uh, Coach Smith said that they are going to take a look at it. Some of the structural things going on with his uh, body and make a decision on with him, of course, on whether or not to shut him down for the year. <clears throat> Shutting down Whitlake would be really unfortunate, but if it is for his health, then they need to do it. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I'm curious. I, I hate to see Whitlake out uh, because I... I think you know get him into the tournament and you never know what can happen right so we'll see we'll see what happens um then the cowboys got back to a little bit normal 174 pounds dustin plot picked up a a pin in a minute and 44 seconds there in the first period uh caught barnes in a nice combination after a takedown and just finished a finished a pin you know his classic dustin plot what we expect from him Sam Barnes, not necessarily the opponent that, you know, is going to measure up to what he's going to face over the next couple of weeks. But still, you know, you just you go out there, you take care of business, and you, you picked up, pick up your wins. He, he hasn't always done that, right? He lost to Missouri's backup. He, who, who's a good wrestler, but still, you know, you lost to the – you just can't lose to backups. Uh, but lost to Missouri's backup, lost uh, – to Lance Runyon there, getting caught in that UNI duel, just that you know, two two of his three losses on the season, just not uh, not good losses. They're kind of dumb losses, right? Kimmer, we get uh, you know losing to the number two guy in the country, um, who is 26, 27 years old and been in Iowa forever, you know. That's that's one thing, but uh, hey, plot went out, took care of his business, got it done, picked up a fall quick, got off the mat. Dakota Gear came on, and he scored a ton of points. He picked up a twenty-one to eight major decision against Decadus, which classic Dakota Gear, right? Like he uh, just goes and he scores quickly, picks up rotting time. Cuts, scores again, cuts, scores again. Like, that's that's what we love about Dakota Gear. He's so quick, and he is, is so good at hitting, you know, these, these slick takedowns that you have to be, you know, kind of crafty to get. And when he's able to get to those, it's really good. Gavin Sticka uh, picked up his first win on the season as a starter against Mason McCready, a 3-2 to two decision. Um, real solid win for Gavin. I think he needed that to build a little bit of confidence going into Big 12s. He's probably going to be the 12 seed, right? He has one non-conference win and uh, several uh, conference losses. And, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be the 12 seed, so he's going to have a lot of work to do. If he is going to qualify for NCAAs, which is a long shot, but it's something that certainly can happen. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if... Uh, uh, Stick uh, can, you know, get some stuff done there, and then at heavyweight, Luke Serber went out 
and did the things that make us, those of us who are watching, make us uh, excited about Luke Server. He just scored, cut, scored, cut, turned, you know, just repeatedly dominated his opponent for a tech fall in the second period. So, uh, real nice win for Cerber there. I know it's against, you know, a guy who maybe isn't, you know, the, the best wrestler in the world. He clearly was bigger than Cerber, though. Um, and, and that, you know, has always uh, been his struggle. So, nice to see him pick up that win and and uh, and look good doing it, right? Uh, nice dominating performance by Server. <clears throat> and then Mastro uh, picked up his normal, you know, three to nothing decision against Brandon Seedman. Uh, he did what he usually does, right? He uh, he. Uh, Scored first, you know, was able to ride his guy out basically, and it, it was a, it was a good, uh, good showing by Mastro. He was able to get up off bottom, um, and uh, it, you know, hey, he's banged up, and for him, just go win, is is the big thing there. Um, John Smith said that uh, they've ironed some things out. They're working on takedowns. They're working on just executing those. And takedowns are usually going to win you matches. You don't have to worry about turns or, you know, if, if, if a guy's struggling on bottom, you know, take neutral, right? And uh, they want to have their, – their goal right now is to have a competitive NCAA championships. They know that they have a long row in front of them, but they want to go out and work make it hard on the guys that they line up against and, and see if they can pick up some wins. So um, we'll see what happens. Then they had Bedlam, senior day. And um, it was actually a really nice day. I mean, there were a lot of people in the arena for Bedlam this year, um, which is awesome. Right? I mean, we've had some over the past couple of years that have been pretty sparsely populated in the stands. Uh, they announced an attendance of nearly 8,000. 79.18 was the official total. And uh, the Pokes had three guys out of the lineup and uh, another who was visibly injured. So uh, it, it ended up being a really close, exciting duel, and it was chippy. Um, there's a lot of shouting back and forth from both benches. Some OU fans made the trip and they were yappy. Um, so it was, uh, it was definitely a, a tense, uh, atmosphere. One that you want to see in Bedlam because it's a rivalry, you know, and it's important for the sport for this rivalry to be a good one. Uh, you know, that's two top five all-time programs easily. Uh, probably top four. Um, and OU uh, has certainly fallen on a hard decade, but they're getting guys. You know, they've got guys that can wrestle, 
And top to bottom in their lineup, I mean, they've got, you can see, one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven. They've got seven ranked wrestlers out of ten. I mean, that's a, that's a decent lineup, right? Uh, if they qualify five or six guys, that's a good year for them, you know? And uh, that's a competitive team. So it's good to see Bedlam kind of pick up some of its steam and then pick up some of its heat a little bit too. I mean, AJ was out there, uh, and he was definitely chat, you know, chat chapping away at the uh, at Heinzelman and at uh, the OU bench and getting the fans into it, right? Um, which I guess this is a good time to comment on that. I mean, the thing that. When you watch Penn State, Iowa, Northern Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, Wyoming, um, Wisconsin to an extent, let's see, Ohio State, when you watch those teams and their duels, something that's really stood out to me over the past few years is that those guys, the whole team, like everybody, so the starters, the backups, the red shirts, everybody is on or behind the bench, and they are right there cheering on their guy, right? Like they're making noise, they're making a scene, they're yelling at the other team, they're you know, making it intimidating out there. And uh, I, th- I mean, they're having fun. They're having a good time. It's especially true for Penn State, Penn State, Iowa, Nebraska. Um, it, those, those guys are having a good time. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And they've really like made this, you know, every result is super important for our team. It's a team sport. And I'm not saying that Oklahoma State doesn't do that. In some bigger matches, they do. Um, and there's a lot of support. But they hide it, right? Like they go back into the room. Or they go under the bleachers. Um, and they do their celebrating. And they do their whatever. Um, it's good to see AJ out there driving the fun. Dayton does it too. Dayton's out there driving it as well with Derek, with uh, Tyler Caldwell. They're really into it, right? It would be nice to see the bench come to it as well. Uh, it'd be nice to see the red shirts get into it. It'd be nice to see the volunteer coaches get into it, right? So like, I'd love to see that same kind of intensity level on our bench that you see from those other teams. We've got the floor or the seats on the floor now, which is a fairly new development. I think this year, maybe last year they did that. No, they didn't because of COVID. So this year is kind of the first time I've really seen it for every single duel. Um, But (laughs) I, I would just love to see them dried that kind of atmosphere. And I think that they might, but um, 
it's something that stands out. And I think making it fun and making sure that everybody's invested in it and everybody's a part of it uh, is important. I think something missing from the duels that we lost from um, Iowa and Missouri and Northern Iowa and Iowa State, AJ wasn't there, right? And Northern Iowa and Iowa State makes sense. He was recovering. He needed to be resting. But the other ones, you know, it, it would have just been nice to have him there being a part of it because uh, he's an energetic, contagious guy, right? Um, so I I think I'd like to see more of that. We saw it on Sunday in Bedlam, and I think if we could see that every week, I think that would get more people into it, and I think it would get the fans a little bit more into it make it more fun as well. But on to Bedlam. Um, the duel started at 149 pounds, in what is turned into one of the closer uh, matchups between um, Caden Gefeller and Willie McDougald. Uh, McDougald has taken over that spot for Dom Demas and Mitch Moore, who are, you know, Demas is transferring and Moore has been injured for the season, and they brought McDougald in. He's a redshirt freshman. And uh, he's turned out to be a really good wrestler. I think he's going to be the number two seed at Big 12s. And uh, G um, really put it to him, made him run. You know, uh, McDougal definitely had his track shoes on uh, for for this match. And G just kept pushing him to the edge, and then they would circle around. And uh, I think he got an early, like th- three early stall calls on McDougal for you know, getting pushed back to the edge. You just can't do that. Um, and I, I'll sit here and say, though, you know, forward pressure is not action. So it would have been nice to see G work something out of that. But he did after the stall call when McDougal had to start putting some pressure back onto G. Uh, G was then able to work uh, a couple takedowns there. And then uh, in the third period, ended up getting a takedown that put McDougal on his back you know, Caden Gefeller special there. I think that's how he gets most of his falls. He's he's done a, he's seen a couple of tilts, but uh, he he tends to get a takedown that puts him in a position where he can then, you know, work some pressure up and keep his opponent on their back. That's what he did to McDougal, and he ended up scoring some bonus or some extra you know near fall points there, which made it a major decision for G, um, who is by far the best wrestler at 149 pounds in the conference. And I think and he's proven that this year. He's undefeated in conference wrestling. And he's faced the best guys at the weight. So uh, good stuff from G there to start the duel. It turns out that you needed the bonus points because the next two weights, 157 pounds, uh, we ran out Dan Manabog uh, to stand in for Wyatt Sheets against Justin Thomas, OU's uh, kind of the face of the program there over the past few years. Um, Manabog is decent. He's he's had a good, you know, career as a backup up to this point. Uh, this was his first start for Oklahoma State for the Katy, Texas na- native. So um, 
I'm going to always love seeing Dan Manabog out there. Uh, and, you know, he put up a good fight against Thomas. He uh, scored his escape points. He didn't give up a uh, major decision, which, again, turns out to be important. So um, he, he made it tough. He made Thomas work for it. Uh, Thomas was excited to get the win, which, you know, cool. Um, and that's the other thing I didn't really touch on. OU was definitely fired up in this one. They definitely wanted this duel. And you could see it. You know, Thomas was fired up to, to get that win. At 165 pounds, two Whitlakes out. So we don't have another 165 pounder on the roster. You don't want to cut somebody down from 174 pounds. So you ran out Jalen Harper, the backup 157 pounder. So uh, filled in for Whitlake earlier in the season back in January. Um, and he did the same thing. He made it tough on Grello uh, to go out there and, and score any points. It ended up being a 3 to nothing decision for OU. Uh, I think they thought Harper might be able to pick up a win there, but Grello, you could tell, noticeably bigger than Harper. And uh, he, he got that takedown, and then um, that was it. I think he rode Harper out and, and got the, the bonus point there. But... You know, hey, you know, kept it close, made it tough on him. 174 pounds. Uh, Dustin Plot took on Anthony Mantanona. Um, Plot picked up a couple of early takedowns, and this looked like it was going to be a repeat of their first meeting. But Mantanona really fought back and kept putting Plot into uncomfortable positions because uh, Plot would uh, um, take a shot. He was clearly the aggressor. Uh, but Mantanona would get into these scramble positions that made Plot really uncomfortable. And uh, quite frankly, at the end of the bout, um, Mantanona put Plot into a neutral neutral zone danger position, and the ref looked like he called it. But he didn't. OU challenged it, and the ref stood with the, the call on the mat, which OSU oh, got lucky there. Because they definitely needed this bout. And and I think Plot needed it too. Um, Plot's going to have to make sure to to be mindful of that. If he's going to get into these scramble positions, he needs to be mindful of that neutral zone uh, danger call. Because, you know, that that can come back and bite you real hard. You can think you're in a position where you're going to score a takedown and then end up giving up two points or, or more. Because you've exposed your back to the mat. So, um, good win for Plot still. End of the day, Mantanona's a tough wrestler. Um, he certainly has his history with Dustin. He's pissed him off before a few times. Uh, but uh, uh, he made it tough on, on Dustin and ended up, you know... Uh, almost getting a win in Gallagher-Ibo, which would have been less than ideal. At 184 pounds, a familiar face came into the building. Uh, Keegan Moore got the start for OU. I had missed where Darian Roberts got hurt, uh, but Keegan Moore is going to be the starter now at OU going through the season. So, uh, at, you know, you may not know, uh, Keegan Moore started his career at Oklahoma State. 
kid from Wisconsin, uh, was recruited to Oklahoma State, a decent prep guy. I think he started in year two, but um, for one reason or another, you know, I think some similar similar issues to uh, just being in John Smith's doghouse, just, you know, had some weight issues, had some discipline issues, and just never really could get out of that doghouse. He was, you know, John was tough on him. And he transferred up to Northern Iowa where he uh, faced some injuries, uh, couldn't never really crack their lineup, just did fill-in duty as he needed to. I think he wrestled at 197 pounds in the duel last year. A.J. Ferrari beat him. Um, so he's uh, he's been around uh, for a while, and um, he definitely came into Gallagher with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he, he wanted it, and it was very personal for him because he came out and he pretty much dominated Dakota Gear. Just start to finish... There was no question that Keegan Moore was going to win that bout. And I have a feeling that <laughs> he had that circled. Because, I mean, he gave A.J. Ferrari a tough bout last year. Um, so I think he was circling OSU dates and saying, I want it. I want to go get it. Kind of like what I was hoping Travis Whitlake would do against Alex Marinelli, right? Like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to win. Period. Um uh, you got to give it up to him, you know. Was, he came out, he executed a really solid match against Dakota Gear, who is one of OSU's best wrestlers. And he, he I mean, more made it him look like not a good wrestler. Uh, so, you know, hats off to him and uh, to his accomplishment. Um, he earned the celebration that he, <laughs> you know, put on the mat. I don't like saying that, and I don't like, you know, that he did it, but uh, that's the reality. He earned it, and good for him. And Dakota Gear, you know, last match in Gallagher Arena, that was, uh, as much as I love Dakota Gear, that's uh, that's a tough way to end your time as a poke, and hopefully that's a taste in your mouth that you take into the postseason and go win a Big 12 title, uh, go do something in Civil A's, right? So... That's 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 about all I got to say about that. Um, 197 pounds. Jake Woodley took on Gavin Sticka. Uh, this one, you know, he scored a 13 to three major decision. Uh, really made Sticka look, you know, not good. Woodley's a returning All American. You know, he's he's good. He's he's a really good wrestler. And then he finished off the major decision and was flexing like he you know won the super like like he did what Keegan Moore did. Right, like he went out and beat somebody that you know he shouldn't have beaten when he he kind of laid it on the backup 174 pounder, right? So who's wrestling up at 197 pounds? So again, you know, to each their own. I think you know, read the situation when you celebrate, right? Like I'm four guys celebrating and being proud of their accomplishments, but uh, yeah, whatever. Sooner, sooners, right? What are you gonna do? Um. At heavyweight, you you had the match of the night for sure here with Luke Serber and uh, Josh Heinzelman. Um, 
in Cerber really looked like he just wasn't going to be denied on this one. He looked really good. He went out, he got a couple takedowns. Like, there is a scoreless first period. Um, but when, you know, it came time to it, like, Cerber made uh, Heinzelman look, you know, like he, he didn't have an answer for his offense. Just was uh, aggressive, went out and was quickly got to legs, uh, didn't allow Heinzelman to get to his ankles until the end of the match. They got into some really, really good scrambles. And, uh, um, you know, fortunately, Luke didn't get caught in any way. And it was, it was just a good, really, really good match. If you can go find it on YouTube or anywhere, definitely watch it. It was uh, one of the more fun heavyweight matches we've seen in a while. So huge win for Luke Serber. Uh, that got the the room real lit up because you know Josh Heinzelman's become persona non grata. His grandma will definitely fight you at uh, that lake in Oklahoma City, Hefner Lake. Uh, <laughs> I think I think she was challenging uh, Seth Duckworth to come down and meet her at the uh, at Lake Hefner uh, there after that first duel. So what a weird bunch. Uh, but hey. I, again, I love the passion. I love that kind of passion in Bedlam. That's how it's supposed to be. Great win for Luke Server, though. Uh, so now you've got, you know, OSU kind of needs to finish it out here, right? Like, at this point, it's, uh, let's see, four, seven, ten. So OSU had ten points, and OU had... Uh, Three, six, nine, thirteen. Thirteen. So it's thirteen to ten. And you can put a lid on it here, you know, if if Mastro, Dayton, and Carter all get their wins as they're expected to, then that makes it a nineteen to ten duel minimum. Uh, you know, you come out of there with a uh, a good feeling after Bedlam, right? But Trevor Master Giovanni just didn't look right. He just didn't look right out there. You know, you could tell he was was not feeling good, not feeling himself. Um, gave up a, a take down there in the first period that uh, just wasn't. Uh, I don't know. And then and then he got kind of got rode out there uh, as well. He he got an opportunity. He got away and got an opportunity to um, go score late in the uh, bout, but ended up giving another take, giving up another takedown. Right. So um, he tried. You know, I think that with him moving forward, you might want to just stick to letting him stay on his feet. Don't make him take bottom. Let him stay on his feet. Let him work where he's good, which is at uh, getting those, you know, far leg, uh, single leg takedowns. So um, uh, hopefully we see that happen, and hopefully he takes he's able to heal up over the next two weeks, because um, Trevor is somebody we need to to be good. Uh, and then Dayton Fix came out uh, needing to get bonus points, right? I think that made it. Uh, 16 to gosh my math was off a little bit ago but anyway I made it 16 to 10 
uh, basically for the. No, it wasn't. 13 to 10, 16 to 10. That makes it 16 to 10 for OU. And, uh, you know, don't leave it up to chance. You, you need Dayton Fix to score bonus points here because you need both guys to win. And uh, you need to, to at least make it closer. At least make it so that Carter's win will win the duel for you. And what happens here, you know, Tony Madrigal is great at running away from Dayton Fix. That's really that's really the only way you can put that. Uh, he has been pinned or teched by Dayton four times now in his career, but twice there was something on the line. Last year in the Big 12 Championship, in the finals, Tony Madrigal made the finals of the Big 12 Championship, and Dayton, if Dayton scores a major, OSU outright wins the Big 12. Well, Madrigal, you know, laid on his belly, didn't do anything, didn't let Dayton work his offense, and ends up keeping it to a regular decision. Fast forward to this duel on February 20th, 2022. Dayton needs to score bonus points, preferably a pin or a tech fall, because a, a pin ties it. You know, it makes it 16 to 16, and then Carter can pick up a win, and there's no question, right? Um, but, you know, some kind of bonus points, you know, at least make it a major decision. And in the first two periods, Madrigal effectively got what he wanted. He laid on his belly. He got to the edge. He didn't give Dayton anything. He didn't make it easy on him. And uh, in the third period, Dayton was able to to work some chain wrestling to end up separating a little bit and in securing a major decision. So and it ended up working out. I'm, I'm glad that Dayton was able to pick up that major decision. That was really exciting. For him to, to finish that one. So uh, uh, then it put some pressure on Carter Young against Jacob Butler, two Oklahoma boys, right? To, to then, you know, win the duel for e- either team. And uh, Carter went out and he left no doubt. He, you know, worked his quick leg attacks, you know, got his multiple takedowns and ended up securing a major decision for the Cowboys and in the duel for the Cowboys. So uh, really, really exciting duel. Um, really fun one to watch. Really fun one to be at. Uh, hopefully this is a new chapter in the rivalry, you know, with the way that Roselli's been recruiting down there. He's got a lot of local guys that are top tier recruits that are sitting in red shirt that should be pretty good, right? Uh, I think you've got Tate Piccolo sitting at 197 pounds that, is going to be really good. John Wiley is going to be a true freshman next year. He's probably going to get the nod at 165 pounds. Uh, you know, there, there's there's just a lot of guys down there that uh, are staying in Oklahoma to wrestle, you know, that they didn't want to join the really deep lineup at OSU. And I, I think, you know, that makes sense. Go to OU, right? So uh, hopefully the rivalry continues with that much intensity. So, regular season's over. You know, the Pokes finish it up. 
with with four losses. Um, uh, excuse me, five losses. Wait, four losses. Four losses. You and I, Iowa State, Missouri, Iowa. So, not not the season we wanted. The season we got, uh, and that's that. Just kind of is what it is. So. Now we'll move on to questions. I've got one here that uh, is on the voicemail, so we'll start with that one. Lee, what's happening, Kemp? You'll have to excuse my uh, lack of voice here. I still haven't quite regained it from Sunday. Um, Kind of a two-parter. Who was the most disappointing loss on Sunday, in your opinion, and who is the most exciting or unexpected win? Thanks for what you do, man. See you. All right, Kim. That was a, um, you know, great cowboy fan there, uh, Kim Kaikadal. He uh, um, drove down to Stillwater for the weekend uh, from from South Dakota, so he is on the road calling in to ask a question uh, as usual. So thanks for the question, brother. Uh, As far as who was the uh, most disappointing loss, it has to be Dakota Gear, right? I mean, he lost to an unranked wrestler who was coming back into Galleriba after being spurned by the Pokes, uh, who picked up a, you know, dominating win and left the mat screaming i'm not trash which uh part of me really hates that he felt that way right uh but i definitely wanted him to lose that because i really like dakota gear i think he's a uh, interesting dude and a great wrestler and fun to watch right so that had to be the most disappointing performance on sunday Uh, as for the most exciting performance um you know, this is a this is a tough one. Carter Young uh, is certainly up there. Uh, you know, the the duels on the line, and you need to win, and you're a true freshman, and it's your hometown, and like all this other stuff, like all these variables, right? There's just a ton that went into that match for Carter Young, and he went out there, and he not only picked up a decision, he picked up a major decision, you know. And uh, Butler, you know, not the best wrestler in the world, but. Uh, you know, still good. It's still a good uh, win from Carter Young there. Um, also, G, right? I, I was really excited that G picked up a major against a solid opponent in McDougald. And then uh, Serber avenging his loss earlier in the season to Heinzelman. You know, again, Heinzelman's weighing 260, and that's 40 pounds heavier than Luke Serber. And um, Serber just looked really good out there. Uh, he executed well. He took some risks, and uh, he made it count. So uh, hard to say between those three who was the most exciting, um, but um, it was one of those three, and I'll let you all you know, fight online about which one was the most exciting out of them. So thanks so much for the question, Kemp. Um, a few of you asked about where I think the guys will place at Big 12s. Address it a little bit earlier. We'll address it again. I'm going to talk about that next week on multiple podcasts. So I'll make sure to tweet out what those are and where they're sitting. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that plenty next week. 
Um, at Pickleus Cage on Twitter asked, how do we look going forward? This year we have injuries, but they still grind and find ways to win. How does our future look? Any studs coming in for 2022-2023? Um, look, I'm very positive about this team, about this lineup, about this iteration of Oklahoma State Wrestling over the next four or five years. Uh, we'll talk about it more in the offseason, but yes, there are definitely studs coming in. You've got, uh, sitting in red shirt right now, you've got Victor Voinovich, uh, Travis Mastro Giovanni, Kyle Haas, um, Trevor Dops, and Cooper Birdwell, and Teague Travis. So those are six guys that are true freshmen right now that all uh, could be um, good lineup additions for the Pokes. Um, and then as far as this upcoming recruiting class, the two big names are Anthony Ferrari and Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams technically is one of the best wrestlers in the country. So uh, he's a really, really, really exciting addition to the lineup. Jordan Williams from Owasa. Um, and then there's you know Anthony Ferrari's AJ's younger brother. Uh, he hasn't wrestled this year. Um, for whatever reason, but he's definitely uh, the the season that he had prior uh, really earned him a really a super high ranking in uh, all of the ranking services for recruits. So he's certainly a blue chip guy and somebody to be excited about. So yeah, there are certainly guys coming in. It's it's going to be an exciting uh, few years for Oklahoma State wrestling. Um, I think the future is super super bright, um, and I've been saying that for a while. All right, my man Robert Falk, he uh, he asked me a couple of questions here. Uh, what is your non-orange colored glasses pick for finishes at NCAA's now that dual season is over? And uh, uh, I told Robert that I had uh, orange colored LASIK surgery, so uh, it's permanent. I can't do anything about that. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't think we're going to win NCAA's anymore. You know, we lost... 25 points in uh, AJ Ferrari going down. So um, that's a tough one. Uh, It's hard to come back from that. Uh, I know that Iowa fans have deluded themselves into thinking that they have a chance in a national championship without Spencer Lee. But, um, you know, that's especially with what Penn State's running out where they're probably going to have four national champions, at least four finalists. Uh, maybe five with with Max Dean there. Um, that's in heck. Kurt Vliet's been wrestling great, so they may have six finalists. Who knows with them? But that's uh, that's definitely a, a tough one. Now I think we might get you know four or five All Americans, um, and even that might be tough. So it, it's going to be a tough uh, tough way to go. He, he said, "Here's a good way to go about it: leave your glasses intact, rank the wrestlers from most likely." to least likely to AA. So I can definitely do that. I think, I mean, obviously most likely to AA is uh, Dayton Fix. Um, I think he is, is you know, going to be a finalist, and, and ho- hopefully he's a national champion. He gets over that hump. Um, the next I would pick Dakota Gear. Uh, Gear's found a way. You know, he's healthy for 
as far as I know, I guess. Um, but uh, he's proven that at NCAA's lights come on, he shines, and he found he finds a way to uh, get to that All American podium. Um, the next I'd say is G. Uh, G's had a really good season. Uh, he's been really solid for OSU. Uh, I know he had that first loss to Abbas. I think if they wrestled now, you'd have to give G the advantage because he is a uh, a different wrestler. You know, I think he was facing some weight cut stuff, um, but he found a way to to make it work. Uh, the next one would be Whitlake. Uh, he's the returning fourth place finisher. The question mark here is injuries, right? If he can't go, uh, if if his injuries are overwhelming, if he gets there, and same thing, right? Like Makai Lewis, our Lewis, uh, 2019 national champ last year, he went out and tried to wrestle with a, a torn pec and uh, pectoral, torn pectoral, and he uh, couldn't do it, right? Like that's uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, Alex Marinelli, it happened to him. So I, I think that's uh, a tall task for Whitley. I'm, I might be putting him a little bit too high on this list even, but I, if, he, if, if he can fight through the pain, I, I think that he can definitely All-American. He's got the talent for sure. Um, plot, if Plot's on his game and is uh, uh, trusting in his ability to hit those um, uh, duck unders, like I think he has a really good shot at surprising some people and getting to an AA spot. Uh, Mastro, if he can overcome his injuries, same thing as Whitlake. Uh, if he can avoid getting on bottom and uh, and go score some points, then I think that he has a good chance. Um, Mastro, Wyatt, uh, I don't know. Wyatt's hurt too. <laughs> Jeez. It's it sucks to run through those four and say like what could have been right because all four seem to be facing some injury issue and um, you know that's that's a tough that's just a tough thing about the sport you kind of have to fight through that uh, sheets all American on a uh, bum ACL last year can he do it again you know maybe uh, but I think it'd be a little bit disingenuous to expect that from him. Let's see, three more guys here. I think Carter. Uh, honestly, if I was a betting man, I would take good art odds on Carter and put some money down for him to finish pretty high, a lot, a lot higher than people are expecting. Because again, you get this late in the season, you get to NCAA's. If you can get to legs, you have a chance. Carter Young can get to legs, um, and he's gotten better every week. He started finishing some of his shots. Is he going to beat, you know, Nick Lee or uh, uh, Sebastian Rivera or anybody like that? Uh, probably not, but he could make some noise at NCAAs. In fact, it it would probably surprise me more <laughs> if it, it probably wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Carter was able to get to the blood round. Uh, I think he's I think he's really special. And then you've got Cerber. 
uh, as the the least likely of the guys that's going to qualify. Um, I just I, th- I think he could make some noise, but I just don't think that he's got the the strength to do it yet. And then of course Sticka probably isn't going to qualify. So I could talk myself into all nine of these guys um, all Americaning because uh, I you know my glasses that you pointed out there, Robert, but. Um, I, I, I really think you're going to get three in fixed gear and G and then one or two out of Whitlake plot, master sheets, Carter, right? So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's gonna be really fun and it's a good question. Michael Rosen, he found some old Twitter thread that I was in about facilities and he said, he's a huge John Smith fan. Are wrestlers picking... Uh, schools based on facilities or facilities as a proxy for likelihood to win a national championship Uh, or is it a tiebreaker between otherwise stellar programs and uh, yeah I mean this is a this is a question that has certainly uh, come up and and been kind of interesting um, because you know there's a lot of conversation around like what's Oklahoma State going to do with facilities you know Iowa uh, today got approval and final funding to build their new $25 million state-of-the-art wrestling facility. Um, Ohio State's got this brand new beautiful facility. Heck, South Dakota State has a brand new beautiful facility that Dactronics built, right? So um, <laughs> I it, it is an arms race, and uh, Oklahoma State needs to catch up, right? You've, you've got the support. You know, I think you just need to go ask for it and, and raise the money to put together a, you know, brand new, beautiful practice and tournament facility, right? So hopefully it's on the horizon. I, I hope they're out looking for the funding for it. But I, I think we're still a couple years away from that uh, because we they just put a couple million dollars into the locker room, improved it. Uh, I think they're moved in now or or moving in soon to the new locker room so that'll be great when they're able to to reveal that and and get started there um i think that that'll certainly help because that's where the guys live right so um but as far as the question goes do guys pick a place based on facilities i think facilities are a little bit far down the list nowadays um, I think guys pick based on the coaches, uh, on the relationships they have with the coaches and the other guys, on the support they're going to get from the coaching staff, from the athletic department. Um, and then I think proximity matters to wrestlers. I think wrestlers grow up in these really tight family units, which is why we see families moving across the country to live where their wrestlers are competing. Um, So I think that matters. Uh, And then I think that uh, facilities might be a tiebreaker. You know, if you're having trouble choosing between Ohio State and Oklahoma State, you know, you might lean Ohio State because they have nicer facilities, right? If everything else is equal. Or if it's Penn State and Oklahoma State or Iowa and Penn State, you know, until now, okay, well, they're saying they're going to get new facilities. Penn State, Ohio State, 
have nicer facilities. So, uh, like, I think it, I think it plays in, but I don't think it's a, a super important thing. I don't think it's going to win a recruit solely because you know we have a really nice facility. So, great question. Thanks for digging that up, Michael. I, I appreciate it. And then we've got one over here. Uh, Cowboy Fanatic asked, do you think overtraining is resulting in the slew of recent injuries? Sports science needs to be used and not just two-a-day get-tougher practices, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, it helps. <laughs> you know, uh, I think that his, I think that John's, you know, stance on... If you didn't do well, then you know we're. You need to feel it. I think that matters. I think that is important. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know wrestlers push through a lot of pain, and uh, at a certain point, you know, something that Kale Sanderson has done at Penn State that's been really successful is he makes it fun. You know, like, what was that this year before the AFC divisional round games? Uh, the Bills coach was interviewed about going and um, sitting in on practices with Penn State. And, like, as they were doing prep for nationals, and uh, he talked about them playing dodgeball. And just it being light, and there's a ton of respect between the coaches and the athletes, and they were having fun and laughing and cutting up and goofing around, and they do this play wrestling stuff. And, you know, that's the best program over the last decade by far, right? I mean, you can't argue with the results there. Um, Penn State, you know, they do something different, and I think that might be it. I think they <laughs> do like this, you know, light training like drilling thing that just works right and it works you know look they're getting the five star blue bluest of blue chips recruits in there and you know at, at that point a lot of these guys put the pressure on themselves right like uh Dayton puts enough pressure on himself he doesn't need any more from his dad or from uh coach smith or from the fans or anybody like that he's kind of making his own pressure so um lightening up the situation is is definitely a um when he's at his best he said it you know when he feels like there isn't any pressure is is when he's wrestling at his best so i don't know i, I think there is something to them overtraining. i think it's uh certainly played into some of the performances over the past several years i think um you know the injuries OSU's been bit by the injury bug a lot over the past decade. And uh, it's kind of hard to argue with. So, I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing. Um, and then Rassler17 had a few questions. Was the RTC Casino Night a success with a good turnout? Uh, when will the new website launch? And is there any other RTC-related activities or developments you can share? Um from what I've gathered, I, I bought two tickets and sent somebody in my steed to, to RTC Casino Night. I couldn't make the trip up to Stillwater. Um, but it does sound like it was a really good turnout. It sounds like there were a lot of uh, people there, a lot of 
alumni showed up and, and it sounds like people had a good time. Uh, so uh, hopefully the money was flowing and they raised enough to get some content written for the website to launch. I was told that there it's imminent, right? In the next uh, few weeks, we should see a Cowboy RTC website launch. I think they might coincide with uh, Cadet World Team uh, Trials, which is usually at the beginning of April. So, uh, so yeah, uh, hopefully we see that soon. I don't really have any other uh, related activities. Some people have reached out to me about uh, wanting to join, like, you know, be a part of the Cowboy RTC, and these are senior level athletes, and uh, I think that's weird because <laughs> I don't have any say in that. And I told them, like, you know, I'm the wrong person to reach out to. I don't know anything. Uh, reach out to, you know, Derek Fix. So hopefully they've done that because uh, I think that, you know, they'd love to have them there, right? They're just not going to go out and recruit and pay them some big signing bonus to come away from where they are. Um, talked about the recruits a little bit, Rassler, so we won't uh, touch on that. Where do you see Anthony Montalvo fitting in next year? Which weight and his chances of making the lineup? Um, I am a big Anthony Montalvo fan. Uh, his overcoming some of the adversity he's faced over the last two years is really, uh, really something. You know, he he's he's had some pretty bad knee injuries um, and he's back in the weight room and getting his conditioning level up. I don't know if I see him fitting into the lineup. Um, I don't want to count him out, right? Because I've heard all these great things about Kyle Haas at 184 pounds. Fully expect AJ to be back at 197 pounds. I don't think Taco can cut down to 174 pounds and take Plot's spot and let Plot redshirt. I, I don't know. Um, so uh, maybe he can beat Kyle Haas. I don't know. That'd be a great problem to have. And look, it's not a bad thing that you've got some depth there either. So uh, that's good stuff. And then he said, you've posted about Meckler, Birdwell, and Dops. Thoughts on Travis and schedule? I haven't heard anything about uh, schedule. Um, haven't, I just haven't heard much about him. Teague Travis has had a really good redshirt season. He's placed well in tournaments. Uh, he looked, um, he's he's just looked good uh, in what he's wrestled so far. So, uh, can he be a guy that's going to break into the lineup like, you know, Meckler, Birdwell, Dops? Uh, I think all five of these guys definitely have an opportunity. You know, they're there and they're getting better. It's just a matter of like, okay, can I go beat Travis Whitlake? Can I go beat Dustin Plott? I, yeah, nothing's impossible. Um, so I think it'd be good to see uh, one of those guys break into the lineup because then that means, what what do we keep hearing? Like, oh, we can't develop talent, right? People keep saying that. I, I keep seeing that. I don't think it's true that John Smith, one of the best wrestling coaches ever, can't develop talent. Uh, it's kind of ludicrous. But, like, I think I think a lot of it is, you know, the blue chip guys, you know, your number two recruit in the country didn't win a national championship in his first year. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, 
okay, well, wait until this third year, right? Like, that's really um, when rubber, rubber meets the road, right? Like, uh, Chris Perry, it didn't. he didn't win a national championship his first two years, right? I mean, he's a top-tier recruit. So, uh, same with a lot of those guys. Um, same with, yeah, same with pretty much all of them. So, uh, give it some time. Let's see what happens. But if one of those guys breaks into the lineup, it's no doubt, oh my gosh, yeah, we can develop talent. Like if Luke Meckler uh, breaks in at 157 pounds, even though you've got, you know, two or three blue chip guys right there. And that means, heck yeah, we can develop talent. Uh, same with Trevor Dobbs. He's a 174 pounder, right? Like we've got a ton of depth there. Dobbs can do it. That's a great sign. Uh, Justin L. asked, what are some positives we can take from this year? Um, yeah, I think that the big one is uh, Carter Young getting better every week. I think Luke Serber being willing to take risks is really nice. And then hopefully we can take a Dayton Fix National Championship, right? I think the team's learned a lot this year. I think they've learned that uh, the Iowa schools have caught up to them. Not Iowa, but you and I and Iowa State. I think having Missouri back in the conference is really good. And I think OU getting better is really good. So those are some positives from the dual regular season that we can take away. I think we need to get better at promoting the sport at OSU. I think they need to do more to get people into the stands. So um, there's a lot to learn from this year. Um, Adam Michaels, the man who made the intro music, he asked, in my opinion, what's the best coach or staff OSU could pluck from a less prestigious school that maximizes the wrestling talent they have through an exceptional training program? As far as head coaches, I mean, Pat Papalito would be the pick. Uh, he's really turned North Carolina State into a contender. And he maximizes the talent that he gets. Um, he's got some blue chip guys that have ended up being, you know, really good, the Hidley brothers and, um, you know, some, some of the others that are out there that, you know, he's, he's produced there at uh, NC State. So um, he's an OSU guy. You know, if, if we needed a new head coach, you know, Pat Pop would be a great pick. Um, as far as staff member goes, somebody that I would really like to see OSU target to go higher uh, as an assistant coach would be um, Jason Knopf. Jason Knopf was a three-time national champion at Penn State. He worked under Kale, and uh, he wants to get into coaching. He wants to be a full-time coach. He doesn't, I don't think he's going to make a senior level team. Um, so I think he's somebody that is available. If you can create a spot, go hire that guy. Because he is an excellent tactician. He's a really solid person. Had the pleasure of hearing him speak a couple times. And he's just a real down-to-earth humble, just good dude, you know? 
and uh, somebody I think would fit in really well at OSU and uh, help teach some things about what made Penn State part of who they are. You know, he was part of uh, shoot four national championship teams in his five years there. So uh, he's a huge part of what they've built, and I think he'd be a great addition to the OSU staff. Uh, he may only be a three, two or three year guy, but I think he would be an awesome addition to um, the Oklahoma State staff. Um, and I don't think you need to take anybody off. I mean, if you look at some of the other coaching staffs out there, heck, Penn State's, Iowa's, you know, I don't think there's a limit. Uh, I think you could hire them and, and have. Uh, three assistant coaches and Caldwell, the recruiting coordinator. I think that'd be good. So we'd love to see it. And thanks for the question, Michaels. I, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, and thanks again for the, uh, the music. And then uh, our friend, the uh, David, uh, whose daughter is the uh, trainer at South Dakota State. Um, he asked how many of the top tier wrestlers from across the conference are battling more than typical late-season in injuries. Um, I can't really think of anybody. I know, like, Minnesota's Brayton Lee uh, is out for the season. He um, suffered a injury a couple weeks ago, and he was definitely an All-American contender and was having a really great season, so that was tough to see. Uh, he's a really popular wrestler. Um and that stinks. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I've heard of that is uh, struggling with injuries late in the season. I, I, I can't. Uh, Sebastian Rivera from Rutgers is struggling with injuries right now. Uh, Stefan Micic from Michigan has been having a rough year at 141 pounds. So there's a lot of guys. It's, it's part of the sport uh, fighting through these injuries. So. Um, it's not unique to OSU, um, although OSU is bitten particularly hard this year with four guys uh, being hobbled or, or completely out because of injuries in the case of A.J. Ferrari. So um, just real tough luck on, in that regard. So uh, does it come to overtraining in some cases? I mean, obviously with A.J. that wasn't the case. So um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of just have to see what happens over the next couple weeks. But it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be a, a good a good thing to watch. So keep your eyes peeled, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's going to do it for this episode of the Dynasty Defined podcast. Um, thanks so much for listening throughout the season. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to, to do this for you all and um, for myself. You know, it's something that uh, I, I wondered if I was going to be able to do it, and I wonder if I'd be able to stick to it and, um, you know, all 300 or so of y'all that are listening to this thing, you know, I, I, I sure as heck appreciate you tuning in every single week. You know, it, it's been a really awesome experience, uh, interacting with so many of you online, um, meeting some of y'all in person at Bat of the Ballpark. Hopefully we'll get an opportunity to meet some of y'all at... Uh, in Detroit. Um, I am, like I said, I'm going on the 1012 podcast 
next week to preview the Big 12 championship. I'm working on putting together a cast to do a Big 12, like an overarching Big 12 wrestling podcast. I'm going to have a very, very special guest who uh, has done a couple audio documentaries about Oklahoma State on the week after Big 12s. Um, Might be joining up with uh, some of the guys who do more national podcasts. So some of the outreach, some of the stuff and the opportunities that have been presented have just been incredible. So, so thanks so much for being a part of it. And then thanks for all the inspiration and the help from Adam Engel, from Seth Duckworth, from Jason Elmquist. You know, you guys have been uh, great to, you know, provide information and to um, stay on top of your, your jobs. That makes my job a lot easier. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate uh, Derek Fix uh, for his help. I appreciate uh, some other folks that I can't name for for their help. So um, it's been a really, really great ride, and I'm excited to roll through this postseason and see what the offseason brings for us. So certainly top of mind to build this into you know, a, a great source of information and news for Oklahoma State wrestling. I mean, that's the goal, right, is to be a positive outlet for the fans to uh, get some information about the Cowboys and the wrestling program and uh, have it in one consumable place. So really exciting stuff, y'all. I'm, I'm really excited that you know, y'all have allowed me to do this and that uh, you're uh, supporting it. So um, <clears throat> would like to keep it going ad-free for the next few months, hopefully next year. If we do start putting some ads on it, all of that, any revenue I make from this will go directly to the Cowboy Wrestling Club and Cowboy RTC. So um, if you have a business that you'd like to advertise, let's talk about it. You can reach out to me in several different ways. Um, if you think that that exposure will help, then you know by all means, let's talk about it. It'll be reasonable. And again going straight back into cowboy wrestling. Um, let's see, what other housekeeping things? Um, I think that we have a really special run coming for Oklahoma State Wrestling. And um, regardless of the results, you know, there still are pokes. You know, it's still... There's a long, it's a lo- they're a long way from catching us if you're Penn State or Iowa, right? Um, I, I just can't see this program being down much longer. And uh, I think we'll start to see some of this uh, recruiting improvements and, and some changes that have been made pay off over the next uh, year. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really exciting time to be an Oklahoma State wrestling fan, so... Stick with them, you know, stick with me, stick with Seth, stick with Ingle, because uh, we're going to bring it to you, you know, we're going to, we're going to show you what we can show you, and uh, we, uh, we hope to be there for a really exciting ride. As always, go Pokes, and we will see you next week.
to talk about the Big 12 championships and, and how the Cowboys are going to stack up against the rest of the conference. <laughs> 